0: 1510 WMEX, Quincy, Boston, and 101.1 FM, W266DQ, Quincy. WMEX, Quincy, Boston, streaming at WMEXBoston.com. And on your smart speaker, just say, play WMEX. The greatest hits of all time are back. This is the all-new WMEX. WMEX, Boston.
1: Legacy Legal Live hosted by Kendra O'Toole, Michelle
2: Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso of Legacy Legal Planning is a show about discussing your estate plans, options, and answering your questions. Call in at 781-834-9639 and start your lifelong partnership covered by benefits
0: that you've earned through proper legacy planning. Now, here's your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth.
2: Good evening. Thank you for joining us this evening on Legacy League Live here on WMEX Boston. I am Kendra O'Toole. I'm
1: Michelle Reed. And Elizabeth Caruso. And to kick off this
2: evening where we are all in the holiday spirit, we just have a little holiday ditty that we'd like to share.
1: It's the holiday season. The holiday season. season. So hoop dee doo and dickory dock and let's get your estate plan on lock because just exactly at six o'clock we'll be coming on the radio. We'll be coming on the radio. We'll talk a whole lot about wills and trusts and healthcare proxies for you and for me so leave all of the work to legacy and you'll be probate free happy holidays happy holidays <laughs> happy holidays happy, happy holidays protect the legacy you're leaving happy holidays to you we hope you
2: enjoyed our little video about estate planning and the holidays, and today we're going to be talking about blended families and how to plan best for... Hold, hold. Kendra, I don't mean to interrupt. Hold on a second. We need to give it up here. That was, that was beautifully done. Wonderfully executed. Lyrics on point. Folks, that is a WMEX first that has never happened. And I don't I'm going to have to call in justice now
1: to make sure because going back to 1960s, something, I don't think that's ever happened before. Well done. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Michelle is trying very hard to hold it together right she now. Is. She's a champion. She's a champion. <laughs>
2: And so <laughs> we we like to have a little fun as as you can see and I know we've talked about on our shows that you know we try to make these conversations light and we like to laugh a lot with our clients as well. And so we are going to be talking about Blended families, what to do in situations of planning, and ensuring that your wishes are followed because there can be a lot that come into play in regard to the state law, in regard to the way to do the planning, and how to ensure that you are properly ensuring that your wishes are followed in that situation. Um, So first we'll talk a little bit about just the different intricate family dynamics and different complex family structures that we sometimes see while we're working with our clients.
0: Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm still laughing about <laughs> well done Liz.
2: <laughs> like I said, holding it together like a champion over here.
0: I think it's important to kind of define what we mean by blended families too. Um, you know, I think that we, we touched on this before in some shows past that um, most folks and most of our clients don't have the perfect, uh, you know, family dynamic going on, that in one way, shape, or form, in some capacity, either you yourself and your family have a blended situation, whether that means that you um, had a previous marriage, had children from a previous marriage or previous relationship, um, maybe you're caregiving for another family member, um, not necessarily um, what we call the nuclear, you know, perfection family. So I think um, all of the things that we talk about today can kind of come into play for whether it's children of your current marriage a previous marriage, relationship, marriage or not. Um, we're just sort of blending in all the love, all the abundance uh, in, in that regard.
2: So with these situations, as Michelle mentioned, you know, there are so many different scenarios that this can come into play. So often we see it with, you know, second marriages that do have stepchildren. Sometimes it is half siblings that are maybe dealing with a probate or somebody that's planning for all of their children that might be from some different relationships. And again, as Michelle mentioned, the caregiving, sometimes we have nieces or nephews that are taking care of aunts and uncles. And so the plans sometimes look a little differently. I even we even have some clients that, you know, the The nieces and nephews or the grandchildren are the ones stepping up for the caregiving and and helping out. So a lot of times the family member might want to be sure that they are giving back for that care that they've received. And so we work to ensure that we are properly ensuring their plan and their wishes
1: are followed. Yeah. And in these types of situations, um, when there's that type of like giving back to those who did actually, you know, help out and do the caring... It usually results in like an unequal distribution of assets amongst those who you would normally give assets to. And if you're going to do anything that is unequal or outside of like the tiny little box that is quote unquote normal, you need to have it in writing and you need to have it you know, securely put into a an estate plan that is clear so that no one is going to question what your motives were and nobody's going to question that you were um, unduly influenced in making these types of decisions. And, you know, the more clarity you can put into it, the more likely your wishes are going to be honored. I think one of the
2: biggest times that we see this is when there is a caregiver living with that person and there's that talk of, I'm going to leave you the house, you're going to get the house, you've lived here with me, it's your home, I want you to have my home. And then unfortunately, like you said, didn't put it in writing. So then the law is what comes into play, and the law is not that that caregiver will receive it. Unfortunately, depending on the family situation and how things play out, that caregiver could wind up with a, a small percentage or with nothing. And so I think that's one of the biggest places we see that is when somebody's living with them, taking care of them, be, they're told that they'll be receiving the home, and unfortunately there's just not the actual action taken to ensure that that happens.
1: Yeah. And, and like I said, you, I cannot emphasize enough that these things need to be put in writing as I, as, I don't want to say as quickly as possible, but like early on in the process to make sure that all of this is solidified and um, putting things into writing can really move on into other as, other aspects of. Of, um, you know blended families so one other thing that we take into consideration sometimes when creating distribution scenarios for blended families is you know what financial contributions did each side come into the you know relationship with or the marriage or what you know the situation and how is that going to factor into what gets distributed to the next generation Um, so for example, I have, um, clients who are, um, both, they're, they're married to each other. They both have second marriages. They both have adult children from their previous marriages. Um, one spouse, uh, had the home that they currently live in. It was her home that she purchased prior to her first marriage. So that, you know, that's her home that she brought into the relationship and the decision that the the couple made is that um, her home is going to stay with her children. And, you know, the, the, uh, the husband is going to have the right to live there if she dies, but only for his lifetime and his children are not going to have any rights to the equity or the sale value or whatever in that home. And that is the agreement that they came to. But that needs to be put into writing. It needs to be put into writing to ensure his ability to live there for his life. But what will, you know, what will him living there look like? Is he going to be responsible for the insurance and the upkeep and the maintenance and things like that? Or is it, you know, is it going to be paid for? And then, you know, to make sure that it only goes to her children after both of them pass away, it needs to be put into writing Uh, and there were some adjustments that the husband made to his estate plan to accommodate you know the fact that he's gotten to reside at this house and it's a big you know financial impact that has had on him so you know he's gonna have a portion of his estate also go to her children and in order to you know kind of balance out the scales
2: and when you say in writing, and we're getting into this detail with blended families especially, that writing really should be a trust and not – this isn't the type of stuff that you should be putting in a will. A will really is not made to control this type of nuance and wishes And so a trust is really where this comes into play to not just avoid probate, but to ensure that the husband and that spouse is taken care of, but then the wishes are truly followed and not also open in court for years on end.
1: Yeah. And I actually, another example, I had another couple I met with a couple of weeks ago. Um, They are not married and um, they are not married for financial reasons. They're both, you know, wealthy people and they have decided that it doesn't actually make sense, according to their accountant, for them to get married. (laughs) And I believe that. (laughs) Um, So um, they have a house uh, down the Cape and they have uh, owned that jointly and put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into that house and made it their own and they love it. And he has kids and she doesn't. And they want to make sure that the house goes to his kids Um, and they were, you know, questioning me why they needed a trust. And I said, you want to make sure that the house goes to your kid's husband, right? And they said, yes. Well, what if husband dies first? You're both jointly on the, on the house. Then it becomes wife's house, which is what you want. But if wife dies and doesn't have a will, it's not going to husband's kids. It's going to wife's heirs at law whom she doesn't even talk to anymore. You know, And she has no kids of her own. Again, the, this couple isn't married. So, you know, this it's, it's very clear that they needed to write down exactly what their wishes were so that it actually would be carried out in the future.
0: And I th- think this sort of flows into the things that we talk about a lot where, you know, we talk about the financial contributions from each each side, but we're also talking about the needs of our children in blended families now we always say listen your assets are yours they're for you to do as you wish but most of our clients wish to provide for their children in some capacity way shape or form so depending in how you all came into this family dynamic um, one might have much older children you might have younger children of this newer relationship so trying to parse out in terms of your legacy planning what what your goals are for your children one spouse's older children might be you know we, we hear a lot they don't need anything they're fine and they're also reciprocating we don't want anything you know take care of my younger siblings um you know in this case so if if that is the goal and and by some miracle the whole family is on the same page we want to keep it that way so to liz's point and kendra's point putting it in writing and putting it in trust fashion as well
2: I just want to put out a reminder here for those listening. Please feel free to call in with your questions to 781-834-9639. We're definitely talking about a topic that I think hits a lot of people at home and really could trigger some questions that you might have. And, you know, we'll do our best to give you a clear answer, but sometimes we might need to dig deeper. Um, But we'd appreciate if you have any questions, please feel free to call in and ask while we're talking about this topic.
1: Yes. And then, um, that leads us to another issue that we come up with, with, um, or come upon with blended families and that's, you know, custody custody and guardianship issues. So with blended families, you have, um, second marriages, third marriages, whatever. And you have, um, you know, obviously spouses or parents of children that are outside of the core relationship that we're planning for. So when we talk about guardianship and um, conservatorship potentially for minor children, we have to take these things into consideration as to, you know, is somebody outside of this relationship going to be named the guardian just because they're the, you know, the uh, biological parent? And, you know, we have to kind of bring those people into the fold as well sometimes to be on the same page with these, um, the planning pieces just because they're, you know, they're sharing kids.
2: And even if it is a, you know, first marriage and all children from that same marriage, the blended families come into play with in-laws and planning for guardianship (laughs) and everything because you most likely are, you know, naming somebody on either spouse's side of the family or a friend um, to be that person to step in as guardian. And so you are blending families in that way as well. And so the blending families really comes in in all different aspects. And we really work with the clients to brush out their goals and figure out What is the best way to achieve the harmony within the blended families as well? Because we never want to do something that would cause a strain between families. And the strain really comes up when you don't plan and when you don't put it in writing.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's the quickest ticket to uh, probate court litigation is when you have a blended family and someone feels slighted and you didn't do the proper planning, and all of a sudden there's money on the table, and everybody feels entitled to it.
2: And knowing, you know, kind of some of the people that are listening to the station tonight, we also deal with grandparents that might be the guardians for their grandchildren and need to ensure that they're doing proper plans of whether... God forbid that child's parents are no longer around, you know, they need to do planning to ensure that things are taken care of. If something were to happen to them while they
1: still were the guardian for those minor,
2: minor children.
1: And then um, another aspect that comes into play would be um, planning with stepchildren. Um, you know, again, blended families, you have different levels of, you know, relation and how people come into play. And, you know, it's, you know, as you're doing an estate plan and thinking about your distribution, are you going to provide for stepchildren or are you not? Are you only going to provide for your own children? And this is a, um, a conversation that couples, usually have before they get to our office, but sometimes they have it at our office.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> sometimes we bring up some questions and scenarios because we try to always say, well, what if this happens or what about this situation? And sometimes that's exactly where they might have thought they had a plan and then they need to kind of revamp it a little bit to ensure that their their wishes are followed. But I, I will say on my most recent plans most people do want to provide for their stepchildren as well because in a lot of these relationships they've been your family for so long so it's ensuring that both sides of the family are taken care of and um you know they're not putting anybody in a position of feeling slighted um but when it goes back to a home that's been in a specific you know one side of the family for so long, We can balance different things because sometimes you balance the home with something else. And so it really allows us to come into a, a really good detail of being sure that everybody feels that your wishes were being followed and that your goals are achieved and nobody feels slighted due to the way that you did your plan.
0: Yeah, and every family dynamic is, is slightly different. Um, and of course, estate planning is confidential uh, at its base. But these are the opportunities that we talk to clients about, you know, saying, what is the dynamic with your family? Having open discussions and setting the expectations um, and then having these conversations while you're still here and you're still able to sort of talk it out with your family members. There's, uh, as as Liz said, there's, there's nothing... Um, you know, more surprising than to Kendra's example earlier. You know, you're getting the house, you're getting the house, you're getting the house, and then all of a sudden, you know, those plans change. And yeah, maybe you you change them on paper, so you've done it legally. But but then your beneficiaries are just completely blindsided by that, and and that can also um, strike some litigation out of spite, even even if your wishes are honored. So part of the process is if. If you're comfortable and if, if you have that family dynamic, most certainly um, discussing it ahead of time so that everyone's on the same page. And if there are issues and feelings, you can hash it out ahead of time and hopefully prevent some of these issues on the back end when when you're not here to really talk about your, your intentions.
2: And I think that's really something that applies to everybody across the board, blended family or not. Um, I had a client that she did do unequal shares for her two children one was the primary caregiver she did not see one of her children very often and the other child was there every day taking care of her and so she wanted to give extra to that child that was there and we had talked about her having that conversation with with him unfortunately she ended up getting sicker before she was able to have that conversation and so then I ended up needing to have that conversation with with both children in my office because obviously the child that was inheriting more kind of felt uncomfortable and awkward with that situation to to say to her to her sibling, you know, oh mom left me more. Um, but then once we sat down and talked about it and I explained, you know, he he saw kind of what our intentions were and why she did it that way and that other sibling that was the caregiver really went into detail of, like, what she did every day. She was like, just so you know, like, this is how I've taken care of mom over the last few years. And that really made it better. But if this conversation was beforehand, it would have eliminated some of
1: that kind of tension between the two of them. Yeah, and um, that's why we often tell families to, you know – have the diff- have the difficult conversations yourself so that your lawyer doesn't have to have the difficult conversation because i mean it's it would be much better in that situation to have come from the parent absolutely because the parent is going to be able to you know put it in their own words and be able to you know say this is what i have chosen because this is what your sister did and things like that. And be able to give specific examples and just make, you know, the other child understand. Whereas, you know, we're going to say,
0: this is how it is. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the money and the finances and that can spark a lot of, um, a lot of happiness and a lot of animosity, but um, also in these situations, and we bring it up in, in, very different capacities throughout all of our shows, but sometimes it's not just the monetary. Sometimes it's the sentimental and and the tangible items, um, especially um, when we have um, uh, multiple children from from different relationships. Uh, you know, I'm thinking just off the top of my head. I have clients who, um, you know, mom has has children from two different relationships. Some are much older, sort of the younger older children dynamic, and there's you know family jewelry that older siblings are saying oh no those are ours and younger siblings are saying well I I want it mom said that I could have it so you know something like the um, mom's pearl necklace you know that she's worn all the time these sorts of things can become a huge point of contention in families so if if you have thoughts and feelings about your certain tangible items and family heirlooms and the sentimental things um, those are just as important to plan for aside from you know the bank accounts and then the investment accounts as well i can tell you as the person
1: of this trio who ends up in probate court (laughs) and doing the litigation more than the other two um the sentimental value items are what people fight over more than the actual money and Go ahead. Pretty sure we say this on every show. Yeah. Like (laughs) every show. Like like people fight over and it's not usually jewelry. It's things that like have no monetary value. But, you know, I gave this gift to mom for their anniversary 20 years ago. So therefore, I should be able to have it. And no, you shouldn't have this. Or, you know, there was a, a liquor cabinet that's been in the family for a hundred years. I don't know. I'm making up examples because I have a lot of them. <laughs> but I mean, I there's been so many times where I've, you know, sat clients down and said, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, you know, I know that you made pies with your mom with these pie plates for years before holidays. And that's very, very special to you. And now XYZ person has the pie plates in their possession and they're not willing to give them back. And it's probably just because you like them so much that they're not willing to give them back. But I promise you, you will spend so much money fighting for those pie plates that you just need to move on (laughs) and you just need to buy new pie plates.
2: It is. This is really what the items that cause the most contention between people. Like you said, it's not even... It's not the money as much as people think it is. It is those tangible assets that are sentimental to everybody.
1: Yeah. Don't put my kid through college fighting over pie plates and couches and, you know, things that are of high sentimental, low monetary value. Because at at the end of the day, it's not worth the stress that you're putting yourself through. And all of this stress can be avoided by writing things down. <laughs>
2: And we, we talk about that a lot with our clients. Of course, we're not in your home saying, Who's this couch going to? and who's this teacup set going to? But we really hone in with our clients of, okay, you know, you now have this plan in place and we've been able to align your other assets such as your home and bank account and whatnot with the trust. But now you do need to do that extra homework and think about what are the sentimental things and sometimes Gifting during lifetime is something that can also avoid some of this tension. If you know that you have a piece of jewelry or that pie plate that, you know, you always baked with your daughter, but now you go to her home every holiday and you bring it with you, then maybe it's time to gift it to her so she already has it. And so sometimes lifetime gifts can help eliminate some of this issue in the future as well.
0: Yeah. And we always say, and then you get to watch them enjoy it. Well, you know, while we're all still here. And I think, too, uh, you know, tips for, for you as listeners and, and if you find yourself in this situation and are, and are thinking if this is sort of, you know, hitting home for you, keep your ears out. Listen for, you know, the daughter who's joking and saying, hey, you know, I want that. You know, they might be saying it in a funny way around the dinner table, but that might be a prompt for you to say, OK, I should really think about this. Does she really want those pie plates? Is this something that's meaningful to her? And if so, should I make sure to to write it down in something um, like a memorandum, you know, with my lawyer? So. Just things for you to be thinking about.
2: So that's probably a good place to take our break. We are Legacy Legal Live here on WMEX Boston and we'll be back. Take a moment during this festive season to reflect on the legacy you're building. Whether you're gathered around the fireplace or the dinner table, the gift of peace of mind is one that lasts a lifetime. Wishing you happy holidays from Legacy Legal Planning.
0: And welcome back to Legacy Legal Live this chilly Wednesday evening. We are Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso here with you tonight. We're talking about blended families and and all aspects of estate planning around that. But before we jump back into the second half, we want to give you an opportunity to call us with your questions. This is a topic that we feel is very important for a lot of the listeners out there and a lot of our clients. So call us at 781-834-9639.
2: And just to remind you a little bit more about who we are, we are from Legacy Legal Planning in Norwell, We are a law firm that focuses working with clients on estate planning and elder law. And so we just really find it important to bring information to our community to help educate and allow the community and our members to make an empowered decision of what their best plan is for their estate
1: plan and their family. Yes. And we're going to start off this half hour uh, with talking about um, the legal rights of surviving spouses, which is a topic that often comes up when discussing blended families um, because you you have second, third, whatever marriages and there are expectations that the current spouse is going to receive assets versus um, the children of prior marriages and things like that. And, you know, how do you, how do you balance out what you want to do? Um, you know, getting everybody on the same page, putting in writing is obviously, you know, your best bet. But, you know, if a surviving spouse is, um, not taken care of through a will or a trust, um, surviving spouses do still have rights. Um, You can object to an estate plan um, that has been created and not um, made any uh, with any accommodations for their surviving spouse. And there are, you know, statutory rights for, you know, percentages of the estate and specific amounts of money and, um, you know, rights in actual real estate that um, that a surviving spouse has.
2: And unfortunately, this these rights that a surviving spouse has does pretty much always, is a one-way ticket to court because it's court that needs to kind of play it out. There are scenarios where sometimes it goes to court first and then you might be able to come to an agreement between all the family members and all those involved that are entitled to inherit either under the law or under the will. But it, it does have to first go through the court and so you're expending on your estate and your family members and your spouse more legal fees, more time, more court fees. And so and and also just stress in the process of grieving when there's a time period that this has to be done and it's not something that 10 years later a surviving spouse could say, "Hey, wait a minute. I don't feel I like I got my proper share." It is something that needs some action within a certain time period and so they're already grieving and going through a stressful time frame and so to this a a stressful time and so to leave that kind of open of oh now you need to go through this really just adds a lot that could have been taken care of beforehand
1: and a lot of this goes to communication and communication you know within your marriage and you know being clear on you know what What you want to do with your, if you're coming into the relationship with a certain level of um, financial assets, what you want to do with those financial assets and, you know, what your spouse's expectation is for you to do and to bring those into harmony by doing an estate plan together or, you know, making sure that you're both on the same page. Because I, I can think of two examples off the top of my head of cases that, um i've had in the past where um the surviving spouse is you know devastated that they felt that they were left out of an estate plan and it's because they don't understand how the estate plan was actually constructed like i had to sit down with someone and be like you know this trust was created so that you could have as much money as possible from the trust but also so that your share is protected from Medicaid, if you should, you know, need to go into a nursing home or something like that. And this was for a surviving spouse who was in their mid 80s. So Medicaid actually being a, a very real possibility. And this was a multi million dollar trust where the deceased spouse was trying to say, hey, I want to take care of my husband in this situation. But also, you know, I want to make sure that my nieces and nephews who are going to inherit from me don't lose everything if my husband ends up in a nursing home.
2: I have one where the husband just didn't review or get it updated before he passed away. And there was talk about him doing it. And unfortunately, it just didn't get done. Um, I started and we did the spousal election for this client back in 20. Let me think. We started in 2015. I had her when I was solo. So like 2014. And we are still trying to tie it up with the other side because the personal representative is his brother and just the family dynamics, you know. And so, unfortunately, things have been dragged out for a really long time and she is just, I just want to be able to put this behind me. And it has been almost 10 years that we have been going through this process and it's, it's sad
0: yeah, and that that really is a, is exemplifies what we mean by probate. Is it worth it? How far down the rabbit hole are, are you willing to go? And in this case, you know, it it was warranted. You know, it, it was it was a very sad situation where they had talked about it ahead of time and had planned to update, and then you know, a bit of a bit of life gets in the way, and and things don't get put on paper the proper way.
2: And this was also a case where they they did come to an agreement. It wasn't, we didn't end up having to go for hearings and whatnot, but then there was just dragging of the feet, and then it gets to be, how far does the client want to go? And, you know, then she's going to court and paying more fees, and so then she kind of puts it on the back burner for a couple years, and and it's hard, you know, because she's still trying to grieve, and she hasn't even been able to completely finish that process because of this. And so, unfortunately, there's a lot that is completely 100% out of her control, and this isn't even one that ended up being a contentious fight in the
1: court, And, and it's still going. Yeah, and I have the contentious fights in court that are even worse. <laughs> because, you know, th- th- when you have situations like this, it comes down to, you know, what what are things valued at? And then you're fighting over valuations, and you're getting, you know, appraisals that are competing, and, you know, you're bringing in appraisers to testify in court to say, this is why I think it's worth this much, and this is why I think it's worth this much. And you can go on and on and on. And um, I have a case that I'm thinking of that has, you know, a multimillion dollar house where we're fighting over the value and it's not, you know, it's just stuck in litigation and it's not going anywhere.
2: That's, I mean, you get all the different emotions. You get, you know, everyone feeling that they are in the right or that they, you know, their person must be right. Their appraiser, it's, it's my way or the highway, unfortunately. And you do become at a standstill and it really is it puts such a strain not just on the family members but to have to be going through this process i think that's the hardest thing when you're grieving like you're already going through such a tough time and now you're adding this all into the process is just it it just leaves that wound for lack of a better term really leaves it open for all these years and and every time something comes up about it, the you know memories flood in, and the grieving process kind of starts over again every time that this keeps coming up.
0: Yeah, and it's sad too because lots of times you'd hope that even um, even if it's not children of of your your marriage, you'd hope that there'd be some sort of relationship that's maintained throughout the years. And this really puts a damper, and sometimes, you know, straight straight ruins that that hope so it's um you know it, it can be just you know frankly awful um, so we want to avoid that and then so switching gears a, a smidge talking about sort of we, we've danced around a little bit our, our planning intentions and, and what your wishes are getting them on paper and getting them in writing um you know lovely text you know we're Tax implications as well. So we have a lot of clients who have concerns over estate taxes. And then uh, we talked a little bit earlier about making sure that if there are assets that you've come into the family with, making sure that that essentially stays on, quote, your side of the family and goes to your relative beneficiaries in that regard. And something important to note is those two wishes can often, sometimes, um, you know, clash with one another. So if you are a couple who has strong concerns for estate tax minimization, but you also have an equally strong feeling about, you know, sort of shifting assets to one side of the relationship over the other, you want to make sure you're talking to an estate planner uh, in in regard to those to those items, making sure that um, you are well aware of what you might be gaining in one aspect. You could be potentially giving up in another and if you're fine with that wonderful but just just having the education surrounding tax planning between married couples and also making sure that your assets um what was your phrase last week Liz your distrib- your, your distribution destiny yeah making sure that those align or if they if they don't quite at least you're you're knowing kind of you know what you're giving to gain in that regard trademark pending <laughs> If anybody knows
1: a good trademark attorney, just kidding, I know a good
0: one. I just haven't talked to her yet.
2: <laughs> I'll email her. <laughs> um, so we want to get into a little bit of some of the components and tools that you can get into to ensure that some of these issues that we've discussed for the last 45 minute 40 minutes, um, can maybe be hopefully set aside with that proper planning. Um, so some of the traditional uh, for that I would say estate planning tools we've talked about the will we've also mentioned that the will really isn't the route you should be going with these blended families yes you always need a will as a safety net but really you should be focusing on a trust to have that flexibility to be able to be more nuanced and detailed with what you want to happen providing for your spouse, stepchildren, children, grandchildren, whatever it is, and that these trusts will help to ensure that the distribution is done properly pursuant to your terms and also, you know, powers of attorney and healthcare proxies. We've talked about that in the past, so I'm not going to get too much into that, but there's no inherent right for someone to step in and make these decisions for you. And so just ensuring that you're naming assuming your spouse is the one that you'd want in that position, you know, that you're naming them in these documents and naming backups and your documents don't have to match. So your, you know, backup that might be great for you for your healthcare proxy might be your daughter, but your spouse's healthcare agent it might be their son, you know. So it's an, you don't have to have the exact same agents in all your documents as long as you're on the same page about your plan in whole. Um, and I think that's something that sometimes people shy away from because they feel, well, I don't think this person should be my health care agent. They don't have to be. So come in and have that conversation
1: and learn about how you can really make an estate plan work best for you. And one thing I, I want to go back to the um, the wills issue uh, and I want to emphasize in especially in like a, a blended family situation where um, there's many competing interests and ideas and um, judgy, nosy people, wills are public. Um, you know, if someone passes away and their will is probated at the probate court, you can walk in as a member of the general public and read their will and see exactly how much money they had and who they're giving it to and which amounts. And, you know, if you can, you can see all of it. And if you want to keep your decisions, private so that, you know, nosy Sally down the street, head of the book club can't I know be, <laughs> can't be, you know, telling everybody else about what the like, decisions that you made or, you know, that you decided to not give something to one child over another child. And, you know, w- whatever your decisions were, they're your decisions and they're not anybody else's and they shouldn't be on display for discussion.
2: And also, I know we've talked about this before, to go one step further from that of your will. You know, they know what percentages or what amounts they're getting. But then there's, you know, sometimes the accounting with the court that literally says, you know, Sally got $200,000.
1: No, no, no. Follow the example. Sally is the nosy neighbor. Sorry.
2: (laughs) So Susan got $200,000 and now Sally the neighbor is seeing asking to
0: borrow money. Exactly. Yeah. And
2: or family members are asking to borrow money and it's kind of like winning the lottery in a sense, you know, if everyone knows,
1: people are going to come knocking and they can go look that up and Sally yeah. is giving Susan the side eye mm-hmm. the next time she says she can't bring the potluck for book club. <laughs>
2: So it's important, you know, privacy can be a big deal, and especially when it comes to money. It really, it really is, because unfortunately, there are a lot of those Sally's that are interested in what people are going, and I've had people call me and say, I was looking at this on the court website, or, you know, I popped into the court to look at this. They they do it. It, it People
0: are out there doing this. Oh, absolutely. And we apologize to any Sally listeners that we have. We No judgment. <laughs> Bunch of Sally's. <laughs> um, but, you know, along these things that you need to think about, wills, trust, powers of attorney, healthcare proxies, making sure that those are all accurate, up to date and according to your wishes. One, um, you know, if you if you if you take anything away, check your beneficiaries. Um, we can't tell you how many times we see in blended families. We have um, a former spouse or a former uh, partner listed as a primary beneficiary uh, lingering. And then there's an argument as to whether is this intentional? Did the person forget? And it goes on and on and on. So um, if one thing that you can probably do very easily, whether you have online access to these accounts, you can take a peek there and see who your beneficiaries are or call them up and request tell me who my beneficiaries are and if it's not what you think request a change of beneficiary form and sometimes when you are planning with trusts um these these sorts of things go hand in hand but it's just something that you can proactively do to to check and and see um you know if if you're at risk in that regard
2: and that's a good reminder for anybody listening not just for yeah. <laughs> for blended family situations anyone listening that has investment accounts life insurance policies bank accounts, items that you can put a beneficiary on, if you feel like, oh, I did that 10 years ago, I'm good, double check it. Unfortunately, we've seen that banks and companies have been bought by other ones or they've changed their software system and they're now using a different computer system and they have lost the beneficiaries. And so check with the companies this applies to everybody that has any type of asset that they've named a beneficiary. Double check it every 5 years or so to ensure that it's still who you wish and that it didn't get
1: unfortunately lost out in cyberspace. And that that is coming from real life examples. Mm. That like that act like companies will lose your your data. They I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, you know, seen it on the news all the time, but like beneficiary designations and things like that, they will lose it. I I have um An estate that i am working with the family and there was a life insurance policy that was supposed to be paid into a trust and um the trust that was listed with the um life insurance company no longer existed and luckily the deceased parent kept meticulous uh uh records as to what um what she did and she actually still had the change of beneficiary form switching trusts into the trust that now existed. Um, she had a copy. It was actually a carbon copy, like a yellow sheet, like from the (laughs) eighties. And she actually, like we were able to show it to the company and be like, look, she switched this in, I think I literally believe it was 1987. And you know, this is the correct trust and this is the trust in existence. This is the one with the with the bank accounts and all of that. Like this is the trust that she, she, this should be paid into. And it took weeks and going up the chain of management with this life insurance company, but they eventually agreed to pay it into the correct trust based on our client's records.
2: And because of those records, you know, I have a client that unfortunately did not have those records and they faxed in the beneficiary change form to the bank. They received the fax printout saying that it was sent and that it went through fine with no problem, and that piece of paper got misplaced. Could not be found anywhere, so there was no proof anymore that that fax went through. The company claimed they never received it, they never processed it, and we had to go through the probate court to be able to gain access to it. So those are the two opposite spectrums of, you know, be sure to keep your paperwork together when you change and check these beneficiaries. Mm
1: -hmm. So next topic, um, how, and maybe I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Um, how do you handle talking with clients about their like definitions of equal and fair and, you know, how they should be, Considering these things or if they should give any consideration to these things um, when planning for a blended family.
0: I think you actually use the words that I, I use all the time with my clients. I say, you know, there's 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 a difference, but also a symmetry between, you know, equi- equitable and equal. Uh, Kendra alluded to it earlier. You you sort of have the family dynamic Discussion and 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 just talk to them and say you know in in a perfect world how do you want things to go? Uh, You know we have a lot of clients who just say everything equal across the board and if if that works out wonderful. But you 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 dive deeper a little bit into you know okay I'm hearing one thing over here, but that's alluding to maybe we're not quite giving things equally. Um, So it's 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 one of those things that you do kind of. It, it you step aside a little bit from the legal aspect and you talk more a little bit about where it's coming from and the intention behind it in that regard. Uh, so it's I always use the equitable versus equal, uh, and they don't quite mean the same, but they they accomplish your goals in one way, shape, or form.
2: Yeah, I think I really get into a lot of, and this is where we kind of dive into really learning about our clients and their family situations and everything too, when. Somebody first brings up, oh, I want to give 70% to this one and 20% to that, 30% to this one, and 10%, whatever. Then we go through, okay, what, tell me, tell me why that's your wish, you know, why are you trying to accomplish that? What, what makes you do this so that we understand the family dynamics a little bit more? Because it's not a rule that it has to be all equal. That is not, you know, the case. It doesn't have to be that way. But really having those conversations with them and then also, we have conversations with this when it comes up with, oh, I want to leave the home to to this person, and if they are expressing that we want equality, then we say, okay, well, we have these other assets. We need to maybe be sure that this passes to this person. Or um, I had a client that they gave um, some money to their son-in-law, and that kind of took out of some of the inheritance for their for their son. And so they have now changed some of their life insurance policies to be sure that those all go to the sun 100%, whereas before they were split, to be able to help balance some of that equality because that is their wishes to have that equality. But I really think that definition of equity and fairness, I, I usually ask the clients what that means to them exactly and what factors they bring into that definition and determining the way they want
0: things yeah and it just goes back to making sure that you're you know you're open with the attorney and you're having the conversation with someone who's knowledgeable because we can balance if if you really have a determination to provide you know the the real estate to to one child maybe they're again i keep going back to this but maybe you have one child who's much younger than the rest and maybe they're you know just barely you're just barely an empty nester and you know they're not quite on their feet yet and you would like to give the home to them so then how do we balance that how do we make it equitable but you know we're 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 giving things in, in a different manner
2: I commonly see that with some families that have, you know, a few children and it, it's usually, well, my other children have homes and this child's still renting or or still living with me. And so they feel, well, they're already, you know, they have their primary residence, they have their home and I want this child to have their home as well. That's where I often see that Inequality in a sense of ensuring that one is getting a home is in that situation when, you know, all the other siblings have and there's usually one child that does not own a home that the parent really feels like all my other children have been able to do this and have their home and I want my other child to also have have their own home.
1: And one thing I want to bring up um, while we're in this discussion with blended families is is uh, a a topic I know that we've talked about previously on other shows is who do you want to be in charge of these distributions? Um, Because if you have a blended family and you're making possibly unequal distributions or things like that, or it's just outside of, like I said, that quote unquote normal box, do you want to put one of your children in that position to be, you know, having the difficult conversation that Kendra was talking about earlier by saying, basically, I'm getting more money than you because mom did X, Y, Z. Or do you want to put somebody, not necessarily a, a professional, but a more neutral party? Do you want to put a friend in charge of that distribution? Do you want to put, you know, a cousin or a niece or nephew or somebody who's not receiving money to be able to be, you know, removed from the emotion of that decision and, you know, maybe be able to co- ma- deliver the blow a little bit easier or something like that, or to think that, you know, or eliminate that maybe, you know the person that you're naming the as the trustee or the um, the personal representative or whatever has you know it wasn't in cahoots with the parent or something like that so that there are potentially less hard feelings
2: i think that really helps the process go a lot a lot smoother um, whether it's a trust administration everything's in the trust and they're the trustee or if it is by will and they're the personal representative it is giving even even working as an attorney you know you're taking out some of the emotions from it like you said and so that really does make it a lot easier to be sure that everything is being done properly and ensuring that there aren't those, you're not putting that extra strain on the um, siblings that are maybe stepping in that position.
1: Yeah, and that can make, it can make the, like you said, the process a lot easier. It can maybe tamp down a potential litigation situation or something like that because it's it's not coming from the person who's getting more. It's coming from a completely different person.
0: And yeah, and typically, I mean, I have a case right now where, to your perfect example, is it's it's a cousin, you know, who's who's in charge, and while they're family, um, he's able to at least step himself out of the emotional factor and just say, "Listen, I'm just trying to do what I've been tasked to do here. So, you know, re- read me the documents and tell me." Advise me as to what I need to do, and that's what I will do. So they're very—they're able to sort of compartmentalize, have a more clear head about it. Um, which, to your point, really does uh, lessen the opportunity for litigation. One would hope—you know—it can always go in the opposite direction. Uh, this is the law. This is this is. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it, you you would hope that in that case, you do have someone who can just sort of step back and say, "I've got a job to do. I'm going to do this job. I'm going to do right by the person who's named me, and that's that."
2: Yeah, a lot of the emotion is uh, a good a chunk of it is taken out of it in that situation and also even the grieving process of course in that situation it's still a loved one so they are still grieving but it's a different grief when it's your aunt and uncle versus a parent unfortunately there are just different levels of, of grief and it depends on your relationship with everybody but a lot of times that the emotional and stress that they're going through is a little bit different than the the children and sometimes
0: we get pushback on this notion of maybe we don't name you know the kids of of the situation maybe we do name a more neutral party the pushback we get the most is, well I don't I don't want to put that on them that's a lot of time money energy you name it we can draft in clauses that compensates them, um, so it's it's not just you know all for nothing situation. Now, not every family member takes advantage of that, but it's there so that you feel comfortable, they feel comfortable, um, and if they are doing a lot of work, sometimes upfront with certain administration, there's a little bit of work to do. So we we are able to draft in language if it's your wish that they are compensated for the time that they spend to to handle your estate. So it's 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 something that they're, eases that blow too. <laughs>
2: And sometimes it can just make things go quicker because of not having that emotion. It keeps the ball moving. Whereas sometimes when it's family and they're going through that grieving process, they might need that time to process. And so a few months can go by that they just weren't ready to be able to step in and and take care of it. So things kind of got dragged out a little bit longer. So I hope that we've really touched on a lot of the information and maybe some questions that you didn't realize you had that might have come up during this conversation regarding blended families and what you can do for estate planning, but also some of our tips and tricks we threw in there for even families that are not in that blended family situation in regard to checking beneficiaries and whatnot. And we hope that you will join us Next week as well, Legacy Legal Live here on WMEX Boston. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn at Legacy Legal Planning. And also email us, admin at LegacyLegalPlanning.com or call 781-971-5900 with any questions. And thank you for joining us this evening. Happy holidays.